John chapter 16 and verse number 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on him. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that ye shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive a mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore say I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you once again for the privilege to gather together. Thank you for all the dear folks who are here in person and those joining us online. Lord, I pray that your word would encourage, would exhort, would bring conviction. Uh, Lord, whatever is needed at this moment in the lives of those who are here and are listening, Lord, I pray that you would just encourage our hearts to be thankful for all you've done. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned last week, this portion of Scripture and chapter 15, Jesus and the disciples have left the Last Supper, and now they are walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. So this is a conversation on the trail, along the pathway. And the Lord is teaching them many valuable truths. And he promises them a great gift. A great gift is coming. It's something that's going to really help you. I mean, obviously, this passage is about Christ and his teaching, uh, but this portion is specifically about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. That's what he's talking about here. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is has been misunderstood, misrepresented, uh, referred to in ways that are definitely not biblical, uh, more than anyone else in the Trinity. Uh, there's been all kinds of things ascribed to him. It's not because he wants it, but it's because man has been faltered, uh, has faulty theology. And really this morning, I want us to get a good biblical base of what he's all about. What does the Holy Spirit do and does in our lives? And I think it'll be an encouragement to you. We see the worth of the great gift. Jesus tells them that it was expedient, verse 7, that he go away. That means profitable. It's profitable for the disciples of Jesus for him to leave. How is that possible? I mean, Jesus is the greatest, right? What? What? We don't want you to go. But understanding the gift, the comforter to come, really helps us understand how much the Lord loves us and cares for us and how it really helps us do the work that he has for us. You know, we need to understand that it, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is a he, it's not an it. It's a mystical force. All right, we'll see some things. He's co-equal with the Father and the Son. 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. You mean the Holy Spirit is referred to in person numerous times in the Scripture, and the use of its pronouns referred to the Holy Spirit as He and Him. John 16, 7 and 8. 
14, 6 to 18, verse 15 of chapter 16 as well. Uh, other things that we can see. Uh, Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed on the day of redemption. He can be grieved. And grieved means to make sad or to sorrow. He can be quenched. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 Quench not the Spirit. The quench is to put out a fire. That's the idea there. He can be lied to in Acts chapter one or Acts chapter five. Sorry, uh, some people lied to him. So the idea is there's some things that happen. And, and John chapter fourteen verse sixteen, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. And Jesus referred to the Spirit as another Comforter. The word com- another means one the same kind or equal. You know, the idea is the same. Implies a state of equality. He's like Christ. Same. In John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, I already read those verses for you, and then John chapter 15, verse 26, But when the Comforter has come, when whom I will send unto you for the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The Holy Spirit will never, ever promote himself. It's not about the Holy Spirit. His sole business, and we're going to look at this more as we go through uh, this sermon this morning, is pointing men, women, and children to Christ. That's what he's doing. I realize there's many modern movements, charismatic movements, and other movements out there that emphasize the Spirit in in their services. uh, And that's what their emphasis is. In truth, he did not come. The Holy Spirit did not come to make a name for himself. It's all part of the Trinity, pointing to Christ, pointing to the need of salvation. He did not come. He did not come to make people roll on the floor at church. He did not come uh, so people can bark like a dog in church. He didn't come for those things. That's not part of who he is. And there's so many other things. I won't even mention them all. It's it's disgusting what they say they're doing in the Spirit. No, he came to point men to Christ and to lift up the name of Christ. That's what it's all about. He does not desire any attention. He wants to enable and help us serve Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. And you realize that there's a whole lot of people in the world today, religious people, who would say that I'm dead wrong when I say that. Well, that's fine they can say I'm dead wrong. Let's see what the Word of God says, amen? What does the Word of God say? There's great power in this gift. He's a comforter. That means he's an assistant, a help, one who comes alongside to offer aid. He can refer to a defense attorney, the idea that they come along to help you. I'm sure during this time of craziness that we're living in right now, you would like some more comforters, would you not? Someone close to help. I've seen lots of stories of people who've been stranded or whatever, they've been by themselves, and someone's come along and offered help. And it's a very uplifting story, maybe the evening news or whatever, or a video on Facebook or whatever the case is. But the idea here is that the comforter that Jesus Christ has sent is so much greater than that. He comes to help us uh, as we serve Jesus Christ. He comes along the saints of God to help them as we go through this journey. He comes for our aid. He encourages us. He teaches us what we need to know. It would be absolutely impossible to live the Christian life 
without the Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Live a Christian life that would bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. He did not, uh, you know, uh, uh, come for no other purpose but to help us Christians. I mean, there's other things he does. We're going to see that. Uh, but the main purpose is to comfort and aid the believer. That is his purpose. We would be in big trouble without him. Even the, even the Lord Jesus Christ experienced the Holy Spirit's aid and help. And Matthew chapter 3, uh, verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove, and lightning upon him, lightning upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus Christ, uh, was affected by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus Christ came and lived in this world. He put on the flesh of man. Uh, he came to live as a man, fulfilled the demands of God's righteousness, and the Holy Spirit helped him. He helps us today to live for Christ, Christian. He helps us. According to the Bible, uh, the Spirit of God comes in their life at the moment of conversion. At the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. For by one spirit baptized into one body, whereby we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, have been made to, make, to drink into one spirit. And he, we immediately, at the moment of salvation, when we accept Christ as Savior, understood that we were lost without Him, Christ, and accept Him, He becomes part of who we are. He's it with us, and He abides with us forever. John fourteen sixteen. He never leaves. You know, there's groups, again, as I mentioned earlier, who would say that you can get saved, but there has to be a moment later, there has to be a time when you've got your ducks in a row, uh, when you're doing what's right, uh, that then, once you meet the demands, because that's what, it's not according to Scripture, it's man-made demands, once you meet those, then you can experience the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not true. That's a man-made philosophy teaching and is propagated very well, unfortunately, in our world today. That's not true. The Word of God says it. If you do not have the Spirit of God, then you do not have the Son of God. They, they, both of them are connected. Uh, Romans 8, 9. Be, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God, God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So the idea is they work together. You have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. You don't have Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come by Himself. They work together. There's not one by itself. And the work of this great gift, the work of the Comforter, is truly amazing. Uh, we, we, I already read for you verses 17 to 15, and it talks about some of that work, and we're going to get into that in a moment. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians 2.7 it says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. This is a reference to the Holy Spirit and his restraining ministry. Our world is wicked. Absolutely. I don't disagree with you for a moment. The moment, and there's going to be a moment in time when the Holy Spirit, the restraining power, will be removed, and it's going to get way more wicked. When the church is raptured, when we are called home with the Lord in the rapture, the Holy Spirit is removed, that restraining force is removed, and it will be so much more wicked. 
John 3, 5 says, Jesus answers, Verily, verily, say unto thee, Except a man being born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. This is a regenerating ministry. The Holy Spirit's there in helping uh, the Lord and seeing people come to Christ. And then in these verses that we saw, verse number 8, we're going to look at it again. We see the reproving. The Lord is reproving us. Uh, verse number 8, And he is, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. We see two-fold work. He convicts, he points out wrong. He points out wrong. He convicts. And he convinces. He, he points the lost person towards the truth. He reveals the truth of God to the hearts of men. So we see, first of all, sin. The Holy Spirit convicts the lost sinner of the fact of his sinfulness. Hey, we have individual family members or friends who are lost, I have no problem. The Word of God does not tell us that we cannot pray this way. Convict them of sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of an individual. Convict. I can remember when I got convicted of my sin. Absolutely. I'm so thankful that the Lord, uh, through the Holy Spirit, did that in my life. Showed me I was a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Holy Spirit works in the heart of those who are lost to see that they have sin. He points out their sin. Men may deny personal sin. I've had people tell me they didn't sin. Absolutely. You probably have too. Maybe, maybe they have not said it, but they act that way. I'm, I'm really good. I don't do anything like that. Oh, I'm so much better than you. You might met people like that. But the, the Spirit of God convicts in the heart and He brings guilt to them. Say, listen, you are guilty before an almighty God. And you know what's something about conviction? It's not comfortable, is it? It's not something that you can say, oh, this is really nice. And you put your head back and stuff. Uh, this week... My daughter Emily bought a hammock way too late in the year for a hammock. But at any rate, she bought a hammock. And, uh, you know, you just can't sit in your hammock and swing back and forth. And, oh, I am so convicted. That's fine. No, it's very uncomfortable. And when you are convicted, when someone comes along to you, just thinking of the physical realm here, uh, someone comes along to you and says, you did wrong, and you know you did it. You know what we have to do? We lash out at the person or we blame someone else. What you know what we're trying to do is kind of divert the guilt. Get it away from me. The Holy Spirit comes to us and convicts us. It's not comfortable. It's essential. It's not comfortable, but it's certainly essential in our lives. And when we submit, when we say, yes, I have sinned, or I have conviction, I need to get it right, I'm convicted of my sin, then there are blessings from the Lord. And not only does He convict us of sin, but it also convinces us of unbelief. He teaches men the foolishness of not believing in Jesus. He shows the sinner that unbelief is wrong. You know, we, we live in a world, and I, you probably have met people who have some maybe religious affiliation or have been touched by a church somewhere in life, and uh, they have uh, classifications of sin. Well, this sin is bad, and this sin is bad. And, well, this sin here, you probably have heard of little white lies, right? You probably have heard that terminology before. Uh, so they make uh, determinations on what sin is uh, good, or not good, but okay. You know, that's as bad as murder. Or immorality, that's super bad. And I'm not disagreeing that those don't have, have some really 
huge consequences. I mean, all sin has consequences, but some of them have greater consequences at the moment than others. All sin is wrong, though. You know, the worst sin, if you can use that terminology, is unbelief. That's the worst of sins. John eight twenty four. I say uh, therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for ye believe not that I am He. Ye shall die in your sins. You know, I could be a murderer and accept Christ as Savior. I trust Him, and I'll go to heaven when I die. But if I never believe, I'm going to a crisis eternity. Belief, unbelief. The Holy Spirit's there uh, to uh, help us to see those things. And then when that conviction comes, when we understand our, our, our state of life and how bad it is, He just doesn't leave us blowing in the wind. Uh, you probably have had a co-worker or somebody come along to you and tell you how bad you are, and then just walks out the door. Like, thank you. My ego just went down the tubes. You know, I feel horrible and you've not given me any solutions to make this better. Listen, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us and then He points us to salvation. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Those verses are places in Scripture that give us hope, to give us direction as sinners. We see righteousness as well. The Holy Spirit convicts the lost man's need to get right with God. He produces the heart of the man who's lost and deep-seated in his filthiness. And he tells him, you are not righteous. You are wicked. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as unclean thing, and all our, righteous, all our righteousness are as filthy rags. The very best we can produce is a pile of filthy, stinking, putrid rags. Totally defiled and absolutely wretched. That's all we can produce on our own. That's all. And yet the, the Holy Spirit points us to Christ and says, accept Him as Savior. Declare Him the Lord righteous. And He will impute to you righteousness. Uh, Romans 4.24 But for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. There's hope. There's hope. Uh, I don't know if you're dealing with anybody or encouraging someone or maybe you're watching right now or you're here right now and you're running from Jesus. You know He's the answer. The Holy Spirit's been putting the screws to you and you're running from Him. Let me encourage you to not run from Him but run to Him. That's the answer. That's what's going to bring you joy. Run to Him. Judgment. We see that in verse 11. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The Spirit of God convicts the heart of man about the reality of the approaching judgment and condemnation. You have probably met individuals who joke about hell. I have. I've met lots of people who joke about hell. And they use hell in their day-to-day conversation. And they make light of it. Uh, you know, referring to the, the guy in charge down there and things. But you know, God has created us with a knowledge that there is a judgment to come. That's why atheism is so popular, because that tries to eradicate the thought that there is a judgment, because we're all a big accident. I mean, it just went boom and we're here. I don't have to give, my, I don't have to give account to anybody. That's how they try to 
sways their conscience and things. Hey, they know there's a life hereafter. Oh, no, no. They're hoping there's not. He convicts men of the approaching judgment. And, and, and then he not only convicts them, but he convinces them, hey, the price of judgment has been paid through Jesus Christ. Come to Him. Come to Christ. He teaches that the demands have been satisfied. The judgment has been passed. Oh, the, the, uh, what it says there in verse 11, because the prince of this world is judged. Listen, Satan is judged. You know, all that's left now is for the judgment to be fulfilled, uh, the, the sentence to be carried out. Satan's never going to defeat God, folks. He is done. Now, he still has a time. God's plan is unfolding and things of that nature. But the sentence will be carried out. Verse number 12. I've had many things to say unto them, but ye cannot bear them now. While the Holy Spirit is active in the lives of unbelievers, He is very active in the lives of God's people. Very active in people's lives who know Christ as Savior. He indwells us. I'm going to read you for a number of verses. Romans 4, uh, John, sorry, John 14, 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. He lives, he resides at every child of God. That's the indwelling. He instructs us too. Uh, look uh, over to uh, just one chapter back. Actually, no, same chapter, verse 13. Sorry, I got it mixed up there. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you to all truth, and for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit instructs us. And it's just not when on Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons or midweek Bible study, when we do something corporately as a church. No, He instructs you day to day when you're in God's Word. The Holy Spirit's going to have a really hard time instructing you of righteousness when you won't spend any time in the book. You need to be in it. It needs to be part of your life. Exploring the Word. He's present to give direction in the way of God and to help you understand what is right, what is wrong. You know, in filling Ephesians 5.18, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So the reality is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, dwells at the moment of salvation. Uh, this idea here is that we are following what God has for us, and we will experience the infilling. Again, it's not a mystical uh, event that we get on the ground and roll around or anything foolish like that. No, you know what this ties back into? It ties back to being abiding in the vine. If we're going to receive the strength, if we're going to have that filling of the Holy Spirit, we need to be abiding in the vine. We need to be in prayer. We need to be in God's Word. We need to be submitting to His plan. We need to be obeying Him. That's when we're plugged into the power. And if we're going to have this, we need to do the same thing. It's just not once in a lifetime, like, oh, Lord, I want to be infilled. No, it's a day-to-day thing. Day-to-day, you are plugged in. You are abiding in the vine. Enabling, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the othermost part of the earth. We've been going through the disciples uh, when I do devotions on Saturday mornings. 
And we've been going through these men. And uh, some of these men uh, were, most of them, all of them were pretty common. Right? They, they weren't elitists. They, they, they didn't have some uh, great education poured all on them. These weren't the greatest leaders of their day. They came from a rural area, backwaters type place. And the Holy Spirit got involved in their hearts when they accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit dwelt with them. They followed the Lord and the Lord enabled them to do some marvelous things. They literally turned the world upside down with the gospel. And they came from little fishing villages in Galilee. You know, a lot of the world doesn't even know where Galilee is today. That's where they came from. He enabled them. The Holy Spirit is encouraging. John 14, 18. Not, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The Spirit of God carries out a blessed ministry of encouragement in the lives of God's children. You've probably seen this witness. You've probably witnessed that you've seen it happen. <clears throat> you've seen a believer go through some really hard times. Uh, you know, maybe lost a loved one or a uh, lost everything they had, maybe a fire or something, destroyed their family home and so forth. And you come along to them and you want to be an encouragement to them. And when you leave, you're encouraged. The Holy Spirit has enabled them. The Holy Spirit has given them encouragement to face the trials. He's given them the peace of heart to go through that difficult time. How is that possible? Because He's always with us. Hebrews 13, 5, Matthew 28, 20. And he, the Holy Spirit even helps us in our prayer life. That's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. He's there encouraging us. We all want a good encourager, don't we? I think that's important in life. I wouldn't tell you to hang around with a bunch of discouragers, if that's even the right terminology. Uh, but, you know, we all need encourager, and the Holy Spirit is that encourager. The gift of the Holy Spirit is, is, is marvelous. It's a wonder. Go over to John chapter 14. <coughs> Excuse me. John chapter 14 and verse number 16. John 14 and verse number 16. And these definitely coincide together uh, with uh, the verses we just looked at in John chapter 16. John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father and He will give you another comforter uh, that he, he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Just wonderful things here. The, the Holy Spirit is present in our lives. As individual believers, he's present. He's there. Just, uh, you know, we, we, sometimes we, uh, we don't think about that. Wherever we go, the Holy Spirit is with us as individual believers. He goes with us wherever we go. And that, that's encouraging and that's convicting at the same time. Because we could go some places that we shouldn't go. And the Holy Spirit's with us. We need to make sure we're living the right kind of life, amen? We need to make sure that we are doing what we should be doing. And we need to be understanding He's there to help us. The presence in our life is a blessing. He's encouraging us. Once that person is saved, accepts Christ as Savior, uh, the, the, we, we have that 
the Holy Spirit abiding with us, and He's there, He seals us. We're part of the family of God. We're part of the family of God. And God don't kick us out. We're part of the family of God for eternity. And we'll remain there. We won't, we won't, we won't get removed. We're there for life. Uh, Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed on the day of redemption. And, and now some, some may ask, you know, well, Pastor, I know some people who... Uh, who are back, black, backsliders. They're, they're not where they should be. They, uh, you know, they, they, they're off living in the world. They, they once were, you know, said they were a Christian. They, they were doing good things, and now they're doing some things they shouldn't do. Did they lose their salvation? The answer is no. Salvation can't be lost. Can't be lost. Now, the choices they make have consequences, right? The choices they make have consequences. The Holy Spirit will be quenched and he will be grieved, but that individual is sealed as a believer and will abide as a believer for eternity. You can't get away from God. And why would you want to? 2 Timothy 2.13, if you believe not yet, abide a faithful, he cannot abide himself. The idea is that we can't do it ourselves, it's through Christ, but we need to understand that we can get away from God. And I'm not talking about uh, necessarily, though we have probably seen people who uh, were once very faithful in church, and now they don't even darken the door and things. And we can backslide in our hearts when we don't read the Bible as we should. We're not, we're, we're not growing, we're just kind of, eh, I'm, just, I'm just hanging out in this like la-la land. No, we can get, back, we can get away from God uh, pretty quick. We need to make sure that if we are in that state, we, with haste, Get back to where we need to be. And I'll be honest, some of the most nastiest, grumpiest, I don't even know all the, the adjectives I could put on to that, people I've met are people who are away from God. Christians who have decided, I'm going to do it my way. They are not happy. They don't have joy. Because they're trying to do it their way. If you're in that position today, you're sitting in a pew or online, I would encourage you with the greatest speed to get things right with the Lord. Get things right with the Lord. And have that joy back in your heart and life. I mean, I've been in the ministry for 20 years. I, I've seen uh, the individuals who have uh, moved away from the Lord, and I've watched them come to church, and they come in like, oh yeah, i got it all figured out. I'm just here because my parents tell me to be here. Yeah, well... Uh, I am glad to see you, but that is a horrible attitude. Now, you're not happy. I've actually sat down with some of these individuals after the, uh, the fact that they've been away from the Lord and they got back with the Lord, and they have told me, everyone I've sat down with said, I was miserable. I was just putting on a show when I went to church. And you know what happens? They so often influence the weaker Christians. It's sad. Listen, don't stay in that place. Get back right with God. Serve Jesus Christ. You know, the performance of the Holy Spirit is truly astounding. Just think about your life. One point, if you know Christ the Savior here this morning, at one point in your life, you were on your way, whichever way you were believing, going this way away from God. The Holy Spirit started convicting you of sin. 
You heard the message of salvation. You understood that I'm going this way. This is away from God. I got to turn from. I had to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what I need to do. And you did it. And the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation indwells in your heart. He's there. And He helps you live day to day. He teaches you. Hey, some of us didn't grow up in a Christian home. So that moment of salvation, everything is brand new. It's like you're seeing in color for a very first time. You're trying to figure it all out. What is, what is that purple color? You know, whatever the case is. You know, you're trying to figure it out, and the Holy Spirit ministers, and He encourages, and He convicts us of when we're, we, maybe we don't even know what was wrong at the time, but then we've, oh, that's, that's, I shouldn't do that. The Word of God tells me not to do that. He's there working in our hearts, and, and he, he, he helps us to live as we should. And then, as we continue down our life, He works in somebody else's life. He does the same thing. Maybe you've been praying for Him. Lord, please save Joe. And Joe comes to Christ. And you're so excited. The Holy Spirit does the work in Joe's life just like He did it in your life. And He's continuing to do it in your life. Isn't that wonderful? And He's doing that in millions of lives today. He's doing that work. What an amazing amount of power and ability and performance. And then he mobilizes, he, he helps that believer to, uh, to know the scriptures, he instructs them, and that maybe, maybe Joe becomes a preacher and he goes to faraway Africa and he preaches the gospel and reaches people. I mean, hey, the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. In conjunction with Jesus Christ and God uh, uh, in the Trinity, Working it all out. What a gift do we have today, believer. No, He does not make us roll on the ground. He doesn't make us bark like a dog. He doesn't make us do this and do that. No, He enables us to serve Jesus Christ. He teaches us. He convicts us. I wouldn't be much of a parent... <clears throat> if I didn't correct my children. Now, you would say that's a bad parenting choice, and there will be horrible consequences for that later. Maybe not directly just to you, but the child. When he does that bad thing, you'll feel bad too. Hey, don't we see the love of our Father through the gift of the Holy Spirit? He sent them to help us because he loves us. He cares about us. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a thing of wonder. With every head bowed, Michelle's just going to play in a moment. <clears throat> My question for you is, where do you find yourself today, this morning? Maybe you're here or watching and you know that you're lost. The Holy Spirit is bringing conviction to your heart and to your life right now. I know conviction is not comfortable, but let me encourage you to make that choice for Christ. Ask Him into your heart this morning. He'll change your life. Maybe this message found you, Christian, but you're living in your own power and energy. You're not plugged in. You're doing things your way. Let me challenge you to get that right with the Lord. 
Maybe, Christian, you're struggling with difficulties, burdens of life. Maybe, maybe you're in that column of backsliding or getting away from God as you should be. Well, let me encourage you to lay those burdens. Let me encourage you to turn around that path and get back to God. Wherever the Lord may have you this morning, speak to Him about it. Speak to Him. Bring it to the Lord and lay it at His feet and ask Him for His power and His strength. Dear Jesus, help us this morning. Lord, help us, if we do not know You as Savior, to make the great decision to accept You as our Savior, personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that You would be Encouraging the heart and lives of believers as we know you do. Lord, I pray if there be any believers here today who are struggling and trying to do it on their own, they'll just lay it at your feet and look to you to guide, direct. Your great gift of the Holy Spirit can help us. Lord, help us to be what we need to be. Bring back the wandering child of God. Lord, to serve you and thus others. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for these dear folks who have been faithfully listening and attentive to your word. I pray, Lord, you encourage them all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.